Chapter Two of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume Four by Eugène Sue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Will. François Germain resided Number Eleven Boulevard Saint Denis. It may not be amiss to recall to the reader, who has probably forgotten the circumstance, that Madame Mathieu, the diamond matcher whose name has been already mentioned as the person for whom Morel the lapidary worked, lodged in the same house as Germain during the long ride from the rue du temple to the rue st honore where dwelt the dressmaker for whom rigolette worked rodolph had ample opportunities of more fully appreciating the fine natural disposition of his companion like all instinctively noble and devoted characters she appeared utterly unconscious of the delicacy and generosity of her conduct all she said and did seeming to her as the most simple and matter-of-course thing possible nothing would have been more easy than for rodolph to provide liberally both for rigolette's present and future wants and thus to have enabled her to carry her consoling attentions to louise and germain without grieving over the loss of that time which was necessarily taken from her work her sole dependence but the prince was unwilling to diminish the value of the grisette's devotion by removing all the difficulties and although firmly resolved to bestow a rich reward on the rare and beautiful qualities he hourly discovered in her he determined to follow her to the termination of this new and interesting trial it is scarcely necessary to say that had the health of the young girl appeared to suffer in the smallest degree from the increase of labour she so courageously imposed on herself in order to dedicate a portion of each week to the unhappy daughter of the lapidary and the son of the schoolmaster rodolph would instantaneously have stepped forward to her aid and he continued to study with equal pleasure and emotion the workings of a nature so naturally disposed to view everything on its sunny side so full of internal happiness and so little accustomed to sorrow that occasionally she would smile and seem the mirthful creature nature had made her spite of all the grief by which she was surrounded at the end of about an hour the fiacre returning from the rue st honore stopped before a modest unpretending sort of house situated at number eleven boulevard st denis rodolph assisted rigolette to alight the young sempstress then proceeded to the porter's lodge where she communicated germain's intentions without forgetting the promised gratuity owing to the extreme amenity of his disposition the son of the schoolmaster was unusually beloved and the confrere of m pipelet was deeply grieved to learn that so quiet and well-conducted a lodger was about to quit the house and to that purpose the worthy porter warmly expressed himself having obtained a light rigolette proceeded to rejoin her companion having first arranged with the porter that he should not follow her upstairs till the time she indicated should have elapsed and then merely to receive his final orders the chamber occupied by germain was situated on the fourth floor when they reached the door rigolette handed the key to rodolph saying here will you open the door my hand trembles so violently i cannot do it i fear you will laugh at me but when i think that poor germain will never more enter this room i seem as though i were about to pass the threshold of a chamber of death come come my good neighbour try and exert yourself you must not indulge such thoughts as these i know it is wrong but indeed i cannot help it and here rigolette tried to dry up the tears with which her eyes were filled without being equally affected as his companion rodolph still experienced a deep and painful emotion as he penetrated into this humble abode well aware of the detestable pertinacity with which the accomplices of the schoolmaster pursued and were possibly still pursuing germain he pictured to himself the many hours the unfortunate youth was constrained to pass in this cheerless solitude rigolette placed the light on the table 
nothing could possibly be more simple than the fittings up of the apartment itself its sole furniture consisted of a small bed a chest of drawers a walnut tree bureau four rush-bottomed chairs and a table white calico curtains hung from the windows and around the bed the only ornament the mantelpiece presented was a water-bottle and glass the bed was made but by the impression left on it it would seem that germain had thrown himself on it without undressing on the night previous to his arrest poor fellow said rigolette sadly as she examined each minute detail of the interior of the apartment it is very easy to see i was not near him his room is tidy to be sure but not as neat as it ought to be everything is covered with dust the curtains are smoke-dried the windows want cleaning and the floor is not kept as it should be oh dear what a difference the rue du temple was not a better room but it had a much more cheerful look because everything was kept so bright and clean like in my apartment because in the rue du temple he had the benefit of your advice and assistance oh pray look here cried rigolette pointing to the bed only see the poor fellow never went to bed at all the last night he was here how uneasy he must have been see he has left his handkerchief on his pillow quite wet with his tears i can see that plainly enough then taking up the handkerchief she added germain has kept a small orange-coloured silk cravat i gave him once during our happy days i have a great mind to keep this handkerchief in remembrance of his misfortune do you think he would be angry on the contrary he would but be too much delighted with such a mark of your affection ah but we must not indulge in such thoughts now let us attend to more serious matters i will make up a parcel of linen from the contents of those drawers ready to take to the prison and mother bouvard whom i will send to-morrow will see through the rest but first of all i will open the bureau in order to get out the papers and money germain wished me to take charge of but now i think of it louise morel gave me back yesterday the thirteen hundred francs in gold she received from germain to pay the lapidary's debt which i had already discharged i have this money about me it justly belongs to germain since he repaid the notary what he withdrew from the cash-box i will place it in your hands in order that you may add to it the sum entrusted to your care just as you like monsieur rodolph although really i should prefer not having so large a sum in my possession really there are so many dishonest people nowadays as for papers that's quite another thing i'll willingly take charge of as many papers as you please but money is such a dangerous thing perhaps you are right then i tell you what we will do eh neighbour i will be banker and undertake the responsibility of guarding this money should germain require anything you can let me know i will leave you my address and whatever you send for shall be punctually and faithfully sent oh dear yes that will be very much better how good of you to offer for i could not have ventured to propose such a thing to you so that is settled i will beg of you also to take whatever this furniture sells for and now let us see about the papers continued rigolette opening the bureau and pulling out several drawers ah i dare say this is it see what a large packet but oh good gracious monsieur rodolph do pray look what mournful words these are written on the outside and here rigolette in a faltering voice read as follows in the event of my dying by either a violent or natural death i request whoever may open this bureau to carry these peepers to mademoiselle rigolette the dressmaker number seventeen rue du temple do you think monsieur rodolph that i may break the seals of the envelope undoubtedly does not germain expressly say that among the papers you will find a letter particularly addressed to yourself 
the agitated girl broke the seals which secured the outward cover and from it fell a quantity of papers one of which bearing the superscription of mademoiselle rigolette contained these words mademoiselle when this letter reaches your hands i shall be no more if as i fear i should perish by a violent death through falling into a snare similar to that from which i lately escaped a few particulars herein enclosed and entitled notes of my life may serve to discover my murderers ah monsieur rodolphe cried rigolette interrupting herself i am no longer astonished poor germain was so melancholy how very dreadful to be continually pursued by such ideas he must indeed have suffered deeply but trust me his worst misfortunes are over alas monsieur rodolphe i trust it may prove so still to be in prison and accused of theft make yourself quite easy about him his innocence once proved instead of returning to his former seclusion and loneliness he will regain his friends you first and foremost and then a dearly loved mother from whom he has been separated from his childhood his mother has he then still a mother he has but she has long believed him lost to her for ever imagine her delight at seeing him again cleared from the unworthy charge now brought against him you see i was right in saying that his greatest troubles were over do not mention his mother to him i entrust you with this secret because you take so generous an interest in the fate of germain that it is but due to your devotedness that you should be tranquillized as to his future fate oh thank you monsieur rodolphe i promise you to guard the secret as carefully as you could do rigolette then proceeded with the perusal of germain's letter it continued thus should you deign mademoiselle to cast your eyes over these notes you will find that i have been unfortunate all my life always unhappy except during the hours i have passed with you you will find sentiments i should never have ventured to express by words fully revealed in a sort of memorandum entitled my only days of happiness nearly every evening after quitting you i thus poured forth the cheering thoughts with which your affection inspired me and which only sweetened the bitterness of a cup full even to overflowing that which was but friendship in you was in my breast the purest the sincerest love but of that love i have never spoken no i reserved its full disclosure till the moment should arrive when i could be but as an object of your sorrowing recollection no never would i have sought to involve you in a destiny as thoroughly miserable as my own but when your eye peruses these pages there will be nothing to fear from the power of my ill-starred fate i shall have been your faithful friend your adoring lover but i shall no longer be dangerous to your future happiness in either sense i have but one last wish and desire and i trust that you will kindly accomplish it i have witnessed the noble courage with which you labour day by day as well as the care and management requisite to make your hard-earned gains suffice for your moderate wants often i have shuddered at the bare idea of your being reduced by illness brought on probably by over-attention to your work to a state too frightful to dwell upon and it is no small consolation to me to believe it in my power to spare you not only a considerable share of personal inconvenience but also to preserve you from evils your unsuspicious nature dreams not of what does that last part mean monsieur rodolphe asked rigolette much surprised proceed with the letter we shall see by and by rigolette thus resumed i know upon how little you can live and of what service even a small sum would be to you in any case of emergency i am very poor myself 
but still by dint of rigid economy i have managed to save fifteen hundred francs which are placed in the hands of a banker it is all i am worth in the world but by my will which you will find with this i have ventured to bequeath it to you and i trust you will not refuse to accept this last proof of the sincere affection of a friend and brother from whom death will have separated you when this meets your eye oh monsieur rodolphe cried rigolette bursting into tears this is too much kind good germain thus to consider my future welfare what an excellent heart he must have worthy and noble-minded young man rejoined rodolph with deep emotion but calm yourself my good girl thank god germain is still living and by anticipating the perusal of his last wishes you will at least have learned how sincerely he loved you nay still loves you and only to think said rigolette drying up her tears that i should never once have suspected it when first i knew m girandeau and m cabrion they were always talking to me of their violent love and flames and darts and such stuff but finding i took no notice of them they left off wearying me with such nonsense now on the contrary germain never named love to me when i proposed to him that we should be good friends he accepted the offer as frankly as it was made and ever after that we were always excellent companions and neighbours but now i don't mind telling you monsieur rodolphe that i was not sorry germain never talked to me in the same silly strain but still it astonished you did it not why monsieur rodolphe i ascribed it to his melancholy and i fancied his low spirits prevented his joking like the others and you felt angry with him did you not for always being so sad no said the grisette ingenuously no i excused him because it was the only fault he had but now that i have read his kind and feeling letter i cannot forgive myself for ever having blamed him even for that one thing in the first place said rodolph smiling you find that he had many and just causes for his sadness and secondly that in spite of his melancholy he did love you deeply and sincerely to be sure and it seems a thing to be proud of to be loved by so excellent a young man whose love you will no doubt return one of these days i don't know about that monsieur rodolph though it is very likely for poor germain is so much to be pitied i can imagine myself in his place suppose just when i fancied myself despised and forsaken by all the world some one whom i loved very dearly should evince for me more regard than i had ventured to hope for don't you think it would make me very happy then after a short silence rigolette continued with a sigh on the other hand we are both so poor that perhaps it would be very imprudent ah well monsieur rodolphe i must not think of such things perhaps too i deceive myself one thing however is quite sure and that is that so long as germain remains in prison i will do all in my power for him it will be time enough when he has regained his liberty for me to determine whether tis love or friendship i feel for him until then it would only torment me needlessly to try to make up my mind what i had better do but it is getting late monsieur rodolphe will you have the goodness to collect all those papers while i make up a parcel of linen ah i forgot the little bag containing the little orange-coloured cravat i gave him no doubt it is here in this drawer oh yes this is it oh see what a pretty bag how nicely embroidered poor germain i declare he has kept such a trifle as this little handkerchief with as much care as though it had been some holy relic i well remember the last time i had it around my throat 
and when i gave it to him poor fellow how very pleased he was at this moment some one knocked at the door who's there inquired rodolph want to speak to ma'am mathieu replied a harsh hoarse voice and in a tone which is peculiar to the lowest orders madame mathieu was the matcher of precious stones to whom we have before referred this voice whose accent was peculiar awoke some vague recollections in rodolph's breast and desirous of elucidating them he took the light and went himself to open the door he found himself confronted by a man who was one of the frequenters of the tapis franc of the ogress and recognized him instantly so deeply was the print of vice stamped upon him so completely marked on his beardless and youthful features it was barbillon barbillon the pretended hackney coachman who had driven the schoolmaster and the chouette to the hollow way of bouqueval barbillon the assassin of the husband of the unhappy milkwoman who had set the labourers of the farm at arnouville on against la goualeuse whether this wretch had forgotten rodolph's face which he had never seen but once at the tapis franc of the ogress or that the change of dress prevented him from recognising the chourineur's conqueror he did not evince the slightest surprise at his appearance what do you want inquired rodolph here's a letter from ma'am mathieu and i must give it to her myself was barbillon's reply she does not live here it's opposite said rodolph thank ye master they told me the left-hand door but i've mistook rodolph did not recollect the name of the diamond matcher which morel the lapidary had only mentioned once or twice and thus had no motive for interesting himself in the female to whom barbillon came with his message but yet although ignorant of the ruffian's crimes his face was so decidedly repulsive that he remained at the threshold of the door curious to see the person to whom barbillon brought the letter barbillon had scarcely knocked at the door opposite to germain's than it opened and the jewel-matcher a stout woman of about fifty appeared with a candle in her hand ma'am mathieu inquired barbillon that's me my man here's a letter and i waits for an answer and barbillon made a step forward to enter the doorway but the woman made him a sign to remain where he was and unsealed the letter which she read by the light of the candle she held and then replied with an air of satisfaction say it's all right my man and i will bring what is required i will be there at the same hour as usual my respects to the lady yes missus please to remember the porter oh you must ask them as sent you they are richer than i am and she shut the door rodolph returned to germain's room when he saw barbillon run quickly down the staircase the ruffian found on the boulevard a man of low-lived brutal appearance waiting for him in front of a shop although the passers-by could hear it is true they could not comprehend barbillon appeared so delighted that he could not help saying to his companion come and lush a drain of red tape nicolas the old mot swallows the bait hook and all she'll show at the chouettes old mother martial will lend a hand to peel her off the swag and afterwards we can box the cold meat in your barky note two come and let's have some brandy together nicolas the old woman falls easily into the snare she will come to the chouettes mother martial will help us to take her jewels from her forcibly and then we can remove the dead body away in your boat End of note two. let's mizzle then note three for i must get back to asnières early or else my brother martial will smell summit note three let's be quick then and the two robbers after having exchanged these words in their own slang went towards the rue saint-denis some minutes afterwards rigolette and rodolph left germain's 
got into the hackney coach and reached the rue du temple the coach stopped at the moment when the door opened rodolph recognized by the light of the dram shop lamps his faithful murphy who was waiting for him at the door of the entrance the squire's presence always announced some serious and sudden event for it was he alone who knew at all times where to find the prince what's the matter inquired rodolph quickly whilst rigolette was collecting several things out of the vehicle a terrible circumstance monseigneur speak in heaven's name monsieur the marquis d'harville you alarm me had several friends to breakfast with him this morning he was in high spirits had never been more joyous when a fatal imprudence pray come to the point pray and playing with a pistol which he did not believe to be loaded wounded himself seriously monseigneur well something dreadful what do you mean he is dead d'harville ah how horrible exclaimed rodolph in a tone so agonized that rigolette who was at the moment quitting the coach with a parcel said alas what ails you monsieur rodolph some very distressing information i have just told my friend mademoiselle said murphy to the young girl for the prince was so overcome that he could not reply is it then some dreadful misfortune said rigolette trembling all over very dreadful indeed replied the squire yes most awful said rodolph after a few moments silence then recollecting rigolette he said to her excuse me my dear neighbour if i do not go up to your room with you to-morrow i will send you my address and an order to go see germain in his prison i will soon see you again ah monsieur rodolph i assure you that i share in the grief you now experience i thank you very much for having accompanied me but i shall soon see you again shan't i yes my child very soon good evening monsieur rodolph added rigolette and then disappeared down the passage with the various things she had brought away from germain's room the prince and murphy got into the hackney coach which took them to the rue plumet rodolph immediately wrote the following note to clemence madame i have this instant learned the sudden blow which has struck you and deprived me of one of my best friends i forbear any attempt to portray my horror and my regret yet i must mention to you certain circumstances unconnected with this cruel event i have just learned that your stepmother who has been no doubt in paris for several days returns this evening to normandy taking with her polidori no doubt but this fact will convince you of the peril which threatens your father and pray allow me to give you some advice which i think requisite after the appalling event of this morning every one must but too easily conceive your anxiety to quit paris for some time go therefore go at once to aubier so that you may arrive there before your stepmother or at least as soon as she make yourself easy madame for i shall watch at a distance as well as close the abominable projects of your stepmother adieu madame i write these few lines to you in great haste my heart is lacerated when i remember yesterday evening when i left him him more tranquil and more happy than he had been for a very long time believe madame in my deep and lasting devotion rodolph following the prince's advice three hours after she had received this letter madame d'harville accompanied by her daughter was on the road to normandy a post-chaise dispatched from rodolph's mansion followed in the same route unfortunately in the troubled state into which this complication of events and the hurry of her departure had driven her clemence had forgotten to inform the prince that she had met fleur de marie at st lazare our readers may perhaps remember that on the previous evening the chouette had been menacing madame seraphin 
and threatening to unfold the whole history of la goualeuse's existence affirming that she knew and she spoke truth where the young girl then was the reader may also recollect that after this conversation the notary jacques ferrand dreading the disclosure of his criminal course believed that he had a strong motive for effecting the disappearance of la goualeuse whose existence once known would compromise him fatally he had in consequence written to bradamanti one of his accomplices to come to him that they might together arrange a fresh plot of which fleur-de-marie was to be the victim bradamanti occupied by the no less pressing interests of madame d'harville's stepmother who had her own sinister motives for taking the charlatan with her to m d'orbigny finding it no doubt more profitable to serve his ancient female ally did not attend to the notary's appointment but set out for normandy without seeing madame seraphin the storm was gathering over the head of jacques ferrand during the day the chouette had returned to reiterate her threats and to prove that they were not vain she declared to the notary that the little girl formerly abandoned by madame seraphin was then a prisoner in saint lazare under the name of la goualeuse and that if he did not give ten thousand francs four hundred livres in three days this young girl would receive the papers which belonged to her and which would instruct her that she had been confided in her infancy to the care of jacques ferrand according to his custom the notary denied all boldly and drove the chouette away as an impudent liar although he was perfectly convinced and greatly alarmed at the dangerous drift of her threats thanks to his numerous connections the notary found means to ascertain that very day during the conversation of fleur-de-marie and madame d'harville that la goualeuse was actually a prisoner in saint-lazare and so marked for her good conduct that they were expecting her discharge every moment thus informed jacques ferrand having determined on his deadly scheme felt that in order to carry it into execution bradamanti's help was more than ever indispensable and thereon came madame seraphin's vain attempts to see the doctor having at length heard in the evening of the departure of the charlatan the notary driven to act by the imminence of his fears and danger recalled to mind the martial family those fresh-water pirates established near the bridge of asnières with whom bradamanti had proposed to place louise in order to get rid of her undetected having absolutely need of an accomplice to carry out his deadly purposes against fleur-de-marie the notary took every precaution not to be compromised in case a fresh crime should be committed and the day after bradamanti's departure for normandy madame seraphin went with all speed to the martial end of chapter two read by celine major